Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, motherfucker! What are you looking at, sir? I'm looking at you, miss. Run that, baby. I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute Productions, Patreon-exclusive podcast, The Decade Project, where we go back exactly a decade ago to the films that are still still resonating, still kicking around, stuff that is still relevant or were really dynamic when they came out. And I've been going through the Rolodex of my incredible friendship group and people who've been part of the One Heat Minute journey. And this man absolutely has been a part of it. He's one of my dearest friends on uh, this in this online world. I love him to pieces. He's an extremely talented author of Fierce Bitches. He's also a great researcher, a noir chronicler, and he's a person that genuinely I don't know anyone pound for pound who watches more movies than him. I think he and Walter Chaw, like if they actually had a letterbox that was purely reflective of what they watched, it would they might get kicked off the app for scaring people away for an ability to consume cinema. So he's always one of my favorite people to talk to because like he's seen everything and his recall is unbelievable. But we've gone back to 2013 with my guest, Jedediah Ayers. Hello, Jed. Hey. And we're going- Good to see you. Great to see you. And we're going back to Danny Boyle's 2013 film, Trance. 5% of the population can be described as extremely suggestible. What can you make them do? Anything. Simon, close your eyes. I want you to follow my voice. I like your voice. Imagine you're in a place where you feel secure, in control, and you feel so comfortable, so relaxed. All your problems where is the painting? I don't remember. Seems so far away and so long ago. I remember that day. What we are is the sum of everything we've ever done, which is constantly being revised and remembered. 
I know what you were going to do to me. She put that memory there. It's not real. The plan was simple. Hypnotize the guy, you bring me back the painting. Was I hypnotized? He's afraid that once he's remembered, you'll kill him. Now, right from the top, if I, if memory serves me, it was about March in Australia, this psychological thriller that was originally um, by a guy named Joe Ahern, who made it into a TV show and then readapted by frequent Boyle collaborator, John Hodge, and turned into a movie in 2013, which he was doing around the time of uh, his stint making stuff for the 2012 Olympics. It came out in Australia in March. And I remember seeing it in the theater here and watching it and going, this is the best movie of the year. And this is the standard that I'm going to be looking to. And obviously there are so many other films that I would think, I think maybe in a year that has like her and Wolf of Wall Street and some others, it might not be my, it might not have eclipsed like the best movie of the year territory, but I was one of those guys that was firmly on this movie's wonderful and weird ride, a mind heist movie like Inception, um, a, a kind of Soderberghian heist in the framing, um, uh, an amnesia heist, all those things that I think if you just put a checkbox of Jed and I's personality, these are the things that get our dopamine going. Um, it's trashy. Um, it has Vincent Cazal. It's got it all. So, uh, Jay, tell me about, uh, like, back then, if you remember seeing Danny Boyle's trance, like, how you saw it? Did you see it in the cinema? Did you catch it on home video? Like, how did it all happen? Yeah, I was aware of it. I was excited for it because the first marketing I saw, uh, the trailer said, from the director of Shallow Grave. I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. We're bringing... <laughs> We're getting Danny Boyle back to, you know, this nasty, you know, dark crime shit that, uh, you know, I, I like Slumdog Millionaire and it's fine. I've, I've had no interest really in rewatching that one or 127 hours or so, even though I admire that he can make something, you know, that, that beautiful out of, out of those, those premises. It was like, no, I, you know, for as many movies as I watch, and I watch a lot of movies, <laughs> my my focus my is is always crime. It's my favorite my favorite thing, and so I want all my favorite filmmakers making crime movies. And uh, yeah, so I was very excited that this was being advertised as from the maker of Shallow Grave. Yes. Um, so I thought, oh, this is going to be it. Um, I did not see it in theaters. I had two young children, as you know, uh, what that's like. Um, two young it's, children it's, and, it's, and it three takes you jobs. From, it takes you from 20 to 30 movies a year in the cinema as an average to four, <laughs> like almost overnight, forgetting about the uh, addition of, you know, one and two and three jobs in there. It's uh, it's, it does slightly slow you down, but that's what the home video is built for. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny since letterboxed and I'm, I'm so bad at technology. I'm just figuring out as 
Blake can attest, I'm sitting here <laughs> talking on one device that's got audio and another device that's got video because I can't figure out how to make one do both. Um, but I'm very bad at technology. I'm just figuring out how to use Letterbox to do the uh, the diary thing so I can like keep track of of uh, when I watch movies and things like that, not just that I've seen the movie. And I, I look back now on, all right, how many movies did I see theatrically this year, this year, this year? And like before I was married, it was, you know, it was probably, it was around 60 or 70 movies a year. Um, and then it was, uh, when I got married, it was slightly less than that. And when I had kids, it just like, dropped off fell off like fewer than 10 a year you know and and um now that they're older that's definitely picking picking back up but because the know, boys are last the boys are now pushing you that's what's fun when we talk the boys are like dad we're yeah. going to see x that's fun that's 10 out of 10 when you get that you're like all right yeah. i'm in that is fun my my uh my son's coming back from uh he's been out of the country for several weeks and uh he texted me last night right before he's getting on a plane to come home and he said uh are we doing barbenheimer (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that i've got that in me but uh i can probably do do one of them with you yeah you you do you've got the stamina these days for a barbenheimer uh, stamina it's opportunity i mean my schedule's all all wonky i'm up all night and, and tend to sleep sleep all day and they, they don't show movies uh, throughout the night but uh anyway i was excited to see trance but i did not catch it theatrically when i did catch it uh, honestly i was kind of let down i mean not big let down but i thought oh this is a fun movie it's obviously amazing to look at it is just gorgeous and so you know it, it just goes down so easy but i you know it it got i felt it was pretty silly in the end it was silly yeah. and uh you know i thought okay well it wasn't what i was really hoping it was going to be but it was it was all right it was okay and then a, a few years later i revisited it i was like no there's more there's there's more there than I was giving it credit for. And just slowly over the the years, it's become my most rewatched Danny Boyle movie. It might be my favorite Danny Boyle movie wow. at this point. And it's um, uh, the pleasures of it really, I think really reveal themselves in, in multiple rewatches, which is, you know, a legitimate criticism for it, I suppose, uh, to say, you know, I, I didn't care for it the first time and why would I go back to it? But, uh, you know, if there's something kind of tickling at the back of your brain, you're like, I want to, I want to revisit that one. I think you'll find, uh, find it to be very rewarding. And, and I've watched it, you know, probably, uh, probably four or five times in the last couple of months, just kind of getting ready uh, to talk to you. And, um, even, even this morning I watched it again and it was like, Oh man, I really see this part of it very clearly now and, and uh, for the first time. Uh, so yeah, but, I, I think it's a great, great flick. Oh, that's so good to hear that you talk about the rewatchability because like I remember 2013, cause I saw it in the cinema. I was like so blown away. It was a Aussie media screening. So then I think I went for a second time in the theater 
really enjoyed it. And then it came out on Blu-ray and I've got one of those, this is a beautiful thing about physical media. I think this is at the time, this is the peak time for Blu-ray around this time is because they just started putting trailers like we used to get on VHSs, like at the beginning of a Blu-ray before it even let you get to a menu. So it was like this morning I'm on there and like the the trailer for Stalker, uh, Stoker rather, uh, Chan Book's film Stoker came on. And I was like, oh, you know, what a time to be alive when we had physical media with trailers. And I watched it a fair few times, but I hadn't before we had started talking about it again. And when I watched it, like you said, the effortlessness of a Danny Boyle joint when it starts, music, pacing, tone, mouthwatering shots, these beautiful after this quick editing that's super purposeful, this ability, especially for the whole premise of the movie to have these kind of glacial contemplative kind of like weird and haunting, like, like uh, tracks on the camera at places or images or locations that you're not quite sure what their significance are. And obviously it's going to later to be revealed. I was just like, Oh my God, Danny Boyle can shoot the living daylights out of a scene that other people would just be so bored with or so timid and he's just so bold in every choice that you're like oh i love like i love every scintilla of this and that opening to get to the highest before um um before we finally find simon so james mcavoy's character before we finally find Simon, you know, and and start digging into the fact that he had a relationship with Vincent Gonzalez Frank and the crew of thieves, and before we meet Rosario Dawson's Spoiler, um, spoiler alert. Spoilers. <laughs> before we, but yeah, I think I think everyone knows at this point we're going to spoil it. It's ten years old, but before all of that, there's just these delicate touches and a couple of moments, and he uses James McAvoy's face to great effect, and he's kind of like, I don't know, like a lot going on behind the eyes, just really terrific. And I just, man, it just, even if you didn't, even if you thought it was silly or even if you thought it was like trashy, I'm like pound for pound, the filmmaking is, it's peerless. It's like, he's such a master of his craft and I love his style. And he's like one of the only ones, you know, one of the only guys who can do it. It's more like a, uh, I was trying to like get an allegory for it, but it's more like it's, it's slightly more controlled chaos of like peak Oliver Stone, like Oliver Stone's more mm-hmm. like intentionally disorientating, but Danny Boyle's like, he's kind of, he uses it to displace you and maybe take you off the scent of whatever the movie is doing. But man, the filmmaking is just, oh, for me, this was Boyle getting back to genre, like in a big, bad way. And, you know, Slumdog was such a behemoth, but it was like, when I look back, I'm like, obviously train spotting and maybe because Australia is, you know, part of the Commonwealth, like train spotting was like the, one of the biggest movies ever here. Um, one of the biggest movies of several decades, like, you know, sort of industry defining, but like 28 days later, love sunshine, adore. And so this is me getting back like, yeah, give him like a dopey genre premise and just see what he does. Cause there's kind of no, body like him and i i love that about him yeah oliver stone's a good uh good good callback i i watched last year i watched all of the oliver stone films and and it was amazing just to think man this used to be uh you know this was tentpole summer blockbuster uh material you know I, i saw natural born killers several times theatrically in packed houses i was like 
this is nuts. Absolutely <laughs> crazy that, that this is, um, this was just what people went to see on a, a Saturday night, you know, um, they took their dates to and, and things like that. So yeah, uh, Oliver Stone, J- obviously Tony, JFK. Tony Scott. JFK. Yeah, like a, yeah. JFK was ginormous. Like it was just as I was becoming aware of, really aware of movies and going to the movies. And like, I even remember being in a like Gosford village twin about in a cinema that no longer exists. It probably hasn't existed for 20 years. And I remember being like six or seven. That's where we would see some of the big movies. And like, I still remember cause we went to Terminator and I think we were going to another kid's movie in like 93 or whatever. Um, but when JFK came out, like, there were huge JFK posters and the parents oh, like yeah. left you with babysitters or not. Cause it was <laughs> the early nineties, late eighties. So who can they give a shit? They just went out, but they went out to see JFK. And so, yeah, like this, I, I, I love this kind of like. The doors. And, yeah. I mean, yes. Just so wild, good. wild shit. But uh, you know, people like, like uh, a stone, like, like Tony Scott, like um, even Soderbergh to a degree is, you know, such like their stamp, their stamp is in the editing often, you know, it's not just, and, and I I really think as a writer of um, fiction of, of prose and and I've adapted a couple of uh, books, uh, for the screen you know nothing that's uh, been seen thank god but um you know the, the the trickiness of it of those adaptations often is you know they say a picture is worth a thousand words well these guys layer picture on top of picture on top of picture and it's you know to to get this sort of density this sort of subliminal uh subconscious density of of what goes into uh you know when you read a, a book all that uh you know the, all the psychology all the uh things like that i think i think they're really doing something like that with with these layering of images with the um repetitions of of uh beads and of course this film dealing with hypnosis is is full of these these audio and visual cues and these sort of pulses that that you know are you know it's like somebody who who knows very just enough about movies to have opinions um (laughs) probably this movie is wait wait that's right i I just gotta say that's radical of you to say that you know just enough isn't it that the that's a nice level of humility maybe for our generation it's like oh like i know i feel like now late you know late 30s you know I'm like, I think I kind of now actually maybe know a little bit what I'm talking about. Whereas it's like, that's not something that people qualify on the internet very much, Jed. So I just wanted to flag it in case people are shocked. Well, I I should, I should let you just, uh, just go with thinking I'm I'm being humble here, but I was (laughs) actually not talking about myself. I was just talking about people who, who are just kind of, they, they are understanding they're interested in film or or literature or something like that. And they, they get into, uh, they see something like this and there's just so much information and there's so kind of, I guess you could say obvious about, you know, if like they can pick up on things and say, Oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. They, they tend to just fucking hate that that movie they're like oh i could see everything that's going on and i mean first of all no 
you can't. <laughs> but no, you can see some. You can, you see, can some see some it. things, and and uh, you know the this sort of, uh, you know the the kind of uh, comedy films we get where you know like Scary Movie or or um, it, Airplane where they or Walk Hard where you know the the comedy is just hey I've seen a bunch of movies, and I recognize these tropes these yes. things that just keep happening and so I'm just going to compile that and make jokes out of all of it you know that's the kind of the criticism I think I think this movie drives people crazy uh who who are just kind of becoming aware of what films do yes <laughs> of what uh of um of how they're manipulative and things like that so I get where I'm at I'm like manipulate me you know, <laughs> like manipulate, be as, as, as long, especially when you're talking about like, um, so much about great films in the weird, you know, so, sorry to sound like pretentious or whatever, but you know, a lot of people use the word alchemy, but I just truly think it is some, it is a pairing of filmmaking collaborators, whether that's actors, writers, directors, editors, cinematographers, set designers, costume, everything, all this great collaboration, usually guided by a very clear and deliberate authorial voice meeting with material that, that they have a very unique point of view on. And particularly this material of like a heist that takes place, a degenerate gam, like a, a guy who seems like a sweetie pie that's kind of getting dragged into, you know, so there's so many great stories about that. Like a sweetie pie who gets involved on with the wrong crew of criminals, gets manipulated to do something and then messes it up. And there are consequences. Like that's a, that's a, that's a very familiar trait, but it's like that then laid with the fact that he's not a nice guy. He's actually kind of an awful piece of shit. Like when you start digging through the layers of his psyche, of his psyche and then, layers of like hypnosis and like sleeper agents and sleeper, you know, you start to get to more of the paranoia cinema of the kind of cold war. And it all layers into this beautiful thing of like sleeper agents and this and that, and some of these things. And it's like the theme fits most perfectly with the style. Like, and so then you have this, and I, I even think about it with train spotting too, which might be my, might be my favorite Boyle film is that it feels like a collage uh, like a sonic and visual collage of fleeting memories that you're piecing together with aging photographs and aging people. And I'm like, style fits that with the theme. And he has that great, he, so many of his films have a marriage of that innate awareness of like style theme, style theme, style theme. And the pairing is so perfect. And this, it's like, it takes what is ultimately pretty trashy but gloriously trashy and elevates it to this beautiful, like, like just a, as a formal work, like his tools are on show and you go, tell me who else could have made this out of that. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it, you know, he meets the material at such a level that you're like, Whoa, you must pay attention. And uh, that's what I love about Danny Boyle. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty wonderful. Uh, wonderful that way. Um, and if, completely forgot when I was just gonna <laughs> <laughs> well let's just so, say so so let's let's maybe do this because um at the time largely received well film um got a kind of it it had a 61 percent on like a you know a metacritic I know that some people will talk about rotten tomatoes and stuff like that but like metacritic at the time 
Metacritic is a lot of the best, very, very, very best critics in the world. And if you want to kind of like Rotten Tomatoes is a much broader spectrum of critics from all over the world. So sometimes the kind of yay, nay, or thumbs up, thumbs down approach um, that that tomato score does, especially when you're looking at critics, is just kind of saying, do people are people broadly positive or are people broadly negative on it? But the 61% as a rating and a score that's on Metacritic is sometimes pretty indicative of some of those high-level critics. At the time, 61%, which is not bad, like, you know, really insanely high-scoring movies on Metacritic only get, like, into the 80s. So it's kind of like a, you know, a four out of five or a three out of four, however you want to sort of talk about it. Um, And got some really big reviews at the time. And since then... Just because I don't know if it's the same in the States and I know you're a physical media head, so we will never have this issue, but you can't find this fucking movie on streaming services. I, I don't know what's going You can't, you can, you cannot find it. It's not anywhere I've been able to find. And I'm like, so bizarre. It feels like that transition between VHS and DVD all over again, where it's like, is this ever coming to DVD? Are we ever going to get this? And, and that's why I think I love things like, imprint films and those places because they find these gems that were such staples of previous eras of physical media and they bring them back to life and you know reanimate the corpses um and yeah this you know it's it's so nice to now come back 10 years later and i feel like up until recently even the guys who were doing the blank check podcast covering danny boyle i feel like this was the one where people were like it was so like these late a few of these later boils just so dismissed or like not not really into it whereas i think like you're you're saying i think it's aging better oh yeah yeah it's 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 quite good like it's quite good (laughs) i I gotta say i i think that you are very good at something that i am not which is taking these sort of flawless uh films You, you you, you can really pick out some gems that to me, I kind of, I, I, I feel like I need something a little rough, a little jagged, a little uh, to, to really snare my attention. And maybe it's because I just watch so many movies, but like, you know, um, uh, Zodiac, you know, a movie that uh, we talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember liking it fine. Um, but <laughs> it, when I went back to watch it because I knew you were uh covering it, uh, you know, it really kind of opened up for me. And I was like, no, there's something that I did not uh, you know, it, it was almost it was too too perfect, too beautiful, too smooth. Um and and I I feel like this is also something that way where i tend to like like filth came out the same year great movie um, too i had a fun time with filth this was actually mcavoy that i think filth uh, this is something we're going to get to later but i think filth might be the best mcavoy like maybe the it's best my favorite yeah it's my favorite yeah. performance of it it's the movie that made a mcavoy fan out of me i really didn't <laughs> have like i people were were mcavoy fans and you know i just didn't understand what the appeal i mean i thought he was fine and not like him or anything but there was nothing about him that really you know grabbed my attention but i saw filth and that absolutely 
you know, rock band. I don't remember which one I saw first, but but filth really blew my hair back. Mm. And I thought, you know, this guy is is, you know, he he can go there. He can he can get something like that. So, you know, and but that's a that's a grody <laughs> pretty rancid uh, that's got a that's got a lot of style you know it's it does a lot of these montages and things like that 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 your boils and your finchers and your uh you know stones and, and scots and that you know they it gets a lot of mileage out of some really great um montages but these are not going down easy right these no, are no. these are really jagged uh you know, probably septic uh, little <laughs> shards. <laughs> that and those, you know, that really kind of snagged me. Um, I tell but, you what, uh, if I ever own a theater, I'm flying you out and your particular programming run at that theater that you'll introduce and curate is going to be called septic. It's a has to be, it has to be called septic. <laughs> the Jet Air Septic Cinema. Um, it ha you have to, it's, it's, it's septic and then sin S I N cinema. Um, because yeah, yeah, I, that, that's exactly the, that's the perfect encapsulation of what filth is. Cause I remember seeing it and be like, this is disgusting, but man, I can't look away from this guy. He's a, he like yeah. the, the whole, the, the combination of all those things, even though it was a bit grubby, even though it wasn't, you know, completely perfect. Um, you know, I, I credit you a lot as many times as I can with, this great outlook on movies, which is like, and I've said it to you before, which is like you tweeted once. So funny to say you tweeted, right? Like this is your, this is where you did your Ted talk or something, but it, it was a Ted talk in a tweet, which is like, huh, you guys really have to like a whole movie. And the whole movie has to be good. The whole right. movie has to be good. I love that. I like, I, that's the way I've reframed it in my head. It's like, Oh, you really like to like a whole movie. Like, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like whatever it is resonating with you, that can hit you on a like really high frequency. And if other parts of the movie don't work for you, especially if you really drive with one bit, a lot of shit just melts away. You're like, yeah. I'm fine. Like, yes, I may know that it's perfect, whatever, but you know, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to tell you that it, I like it. And so, yeah, I think that filth is like that. But, but for me, when I come back to trance, some of the things that filth doesn't quite hit same frequency on, despite McAvoy's amazing performance, the the style and the filmmaking of trance like oh it just that fusion of stuff that's just it but yeah it was funny McAvoy was like that thing that people were trying to make happen a lot and at mm. this time of his yeah. career you know he's in these movies he's in the X Men's he's 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 sort of getting gigantic um from a Hollywood perspective and I'm finding him so much more interesting when he like pops up in random things like atomic blonde. Like I'm like when he just turned, let's like full dirt bag McAvoy. Like when dirt bag McAvoy is around, I'm like, yeah, I'm in, let's do this thing. Like that, that's yeah, what I that's, want. And I mean, that's what obviously filth gave us and, and was advertised as I think the, you know, the beauty of trance is that it's his, dewy face that's introducing us and his you know and like it subverts everything that you assume about this movie um you know that uh that he's the good guy that uh, vincent cassell is the psychopath the violent guy that uh, rosario dawson is in you know uh 
uh, trouble that she's in over her head and this thing and uh, you know and it it's it's a heist within a heist you know there's, <laughs> there's the stealing the painting and then there's the breaking into your mind to get it back and and everybody's part of it i love 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 those scenes uh those trance scenes where like he's in the within his his mind he's in that red car yes and rosario dawson is in the car with him and the four thieves are outside the window trying to yeah. you know they, they can see the painting in the lining of his jacket right and they're like stop you know he's he's wanting to focus <laughs> on her and they're trying to get him back to you know look at the painting and and you know where is it and they're they're hovering over him. You know what they're hovering? They're hovering over him the same way the witches in the painting are hovering <laughs> over the guy. Yeah. You know, the with the uh the blanket pulled over his head. Um, it's just like little touches like that that are so I, yeah, I haven't read the script, but that's what Danny Boyle saw when he was, you know, putting this together and and it's 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 so so gorgeous, so multi-layered, and so um, uh, just playful and fun. And and I do think that it can come out. You can come out the other end of trance and not feel particularly emotionally moved, other than feeling kind of excited and a little giddy that uh, you know it, it was. A, they pulled um, off the magic trick. Yeah. Right. Right. But I do think. Like the more I watch it, the more emotional response I have to the, uh, especially the Vincent Cassell character. Um, yes, you know that that kind of shot of him uh, at the the very end coming out of the, his swimming pool, and he just looks blank, like he looks completely emptied out, totally hollowed out. He's been through this ordeal. And, you know, and then he gets the, the uh, messenger at the door with a, a delivery for him. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think because you really have to watch the movie a couple of times to, to get the perspective of, of, you know, OK, who's like, let's think about the story, the chronological story from this character's point of view. Let's think about it from that character's point of view. And thinking about it from his point of view is really starting to kind of make me emotional uh when i watch it now i do feel for him a lot and i feel excited by the moxie of rosario dawson's character you know yes. I, I feel yeah. like oh man Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I, I love that she orchestrates the whole thing for herself, you know, um, not to make something better or whatever, but she's been hurt. She's been made to feel um, scared and threatened. And, uh, and she's like, you know what? You're going to do this for me. <laughs> yeah. Just because I can make you do this. I'm going to flex my power and make you do this and i'm gonna feel better about myself not for money not for what you know i'm just this is what it takes for me to move on with my life uh is to uh to show you know prove to myself that i can that i'm in control that i can i can do this and and you know i can get behind that now in a way that uh i you know took several viewings uh to do so not on the on the first viewing, it is just just a, a fun sort of giddy uh, ride, and yeah, they pull off the the magic trick. But but with more and more watches, I am getting uh, more emotionally involved in it, and and that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, that's something you you nailed for me with her is when you first watch it, it's like oh look at the magic trick. Next couple of watches, it might be like, oh God, look at the moxie, like look at the bravery, look at the, you know, there's a few times where Simon is playing with chips, even when he goes back into his house for the first time, he picks up casino chips. And I'm like, he's the casino chip. Like she's laying him all, she's all in with this gambit, right? Like she's mm-hmm. she's using him as like a physical pawn in the game that he doesn't realize he's a part of because of how awful and cruel he's been. And then you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, look, look at the moxie. Yeah. And and now I think. It's like, you know, it's that Newton's law of like every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And so you have this, AKA karma. Um, And uh, basically it feels like the karmic awfulness that he has exacted on her and others and himself. Um is so bad. That's a question you ask is, you know, there's great, so many great movies do it with different relationships between characters is how bad must this character have treated that person to hate them so much or to be that vindictive. And, and I think that sometimes that's a really beautiful thing. And, and, you know, it's a really beautiful and an interesting thing, obviously not beautiful because it's not nice, but it's like, man, pain, pain has ramifications. And, uh, and so that, that, that's something I love about this. It's like, ultimately you've got these people who um, are all playing their different game, but her game comes from pain. And, and then you start asking a question as I agree with you. It's like, how bad was he to make her want to have this gambit to, to go, I'm going to use my powers for evil rather than good. Yeah. And I like that you bring up, uh, that you brought up Newton because I was thinking about 
that's that's his character's name is Simon Newton. Yeah, and I was thinking about you know yep. Newton laws of attraction that uh, you know he is just absolutely gravitating toward her, and she realizes what she can do with that. And um, yeah, and then uh, the and then of course her name too is uh, Elizabeth Lamb. You know this innocence. Yeah. And, <laughs> Innocence is a big part of uh, of the psychology of the the film, the um, the character, and, and it's it's one of those things that again, the first time you see it, it's like ah, how fucking dopey. Then <laughs> 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 you get this is you know this is really uh, kind of um, uh, it's almost insulting, right? But um, but uh, but you're right. You said something so perfect before, which is like there's a playful energy. And Boyle doing that car set piece that you're talking about that actually mm-hmm. then mirrors uh, Goya's Witches in the Air, where there's the four witches in the air and there's the guy with the blanket underneath. When he does that, that's almost like him going, he's like sort of leaping out of the screen to be our own, the audience's psyche. Like, get back to how the fuck this happens. Stop getting distracted with how beautiful Rosario Dawson is, even though obviously we can empathize. She is absolutely stunning. Yeah. But it's like, let's get back to how he got the painting. What happened to the painting? It's right there. Like, tell us the story. And that's him kind of going like, wink, guys. Yeah, I know. Like, you, see all these tricks that might have been annoying you. That's, I'm right here. I'm doing it. Like, everything here is an intentional thing to just pace this out exactly as you want. Um, but that's the sense of play that I love in a Danny Boyle movie. I'm like, yeah, I'm in good hands. This is fine. Who cares? Like, I'm not in a rush. You're going to get to it yeah. when you need to. Like, it's it's all good. And I, I feel like some filmmakers, for whatever reason, and I can't explain it all the time, they they just make you more comfortable with their, I don't know, with their stylistic acumen and the way that they structure a scene and or set you up for a story where you're like, I'm, I'll be patient. But I don't know what the hell's going on, but I'm having a really good time. That's fine yeah. with me. I'm good. I'll, I'm, 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 in. I'm still completely engaged, and and I want to watch. Yeah, it's also you know one of those movies about movie making, mm, and movies about movie making can be really irritating. And you know, I I really appreciate him making his film, his almost confessional film. Um, if I'd never seen any interviews with him, period, I think. But I, I watched a couple of interviews uh, with him um, when he was out promoting this. And, and he, uh, he, he kept talking about how important it was for him that everything in the movie that the, um, that the you know, the, from the hypothetical the hypnotherapy, you know, it's all possible. Like, yes, you know, none of this was, uh, you know, he kept stressing, yes, this can be done, you know, and then he would say, it's not ethical, but it can be done. <laughs> it's not ex- ethical, but this can be done. And, um, you know, and I was just so seeing him as a director saying that, well, that's my job is to, you know, I, I manipulate actors and I, I manipulate actors to manipulate audiences and, you know, and I can absolutely do this. I have this power. I can do this. I can pull things out of actors. I can pull things. Out. Now I have to wrestle some with 
what's ethical? Yeah. (laughs) What, what, what's ethical? What's abusive? What's, um, you know, how, how ruthless am I in pursuing, um, a goal? Uh, but it's all possible. It's all possible. I can absolutely, you know, there's, there's a certain segment of the population who I can direct (laughs) very susceptible to my manipulate, you know, and if they give themselves to me and open up, you know, I can really pull some, some amazing stuff out of them. And, uh, and they in turn can then influence the audience is almost like he's saying he's Rosario Dawson. The actors are James McAvoy and the audience is the band of thieves. You know, he can, he can direct someone to have an influence on a, a wider mass and, and, um, and he can really, and, and, you know, he didn't have to come out and say that he never said that in, in the interviews, but it was, it seemed patently obvious uh, to me that that was his, his uh, drive here is he's, he's making a film about filmmaking and, and I appreciate him dressing it up in a, in a crime thriller. Um, uh, <laughs> And always, and always more, always more attractive when you dress any idea up as a sexy crime thriller. <laughs> and right. I think that that's, that you just said, like, what kind of movies do you like? You know, <laughs> uh, anything right. dressed as a sexy crime thriller. I don't care what it is. Could be a sociopolitical commentary. Could be a movie about filmmaking. Could be a movie about desire. Could be a horror. Could be a, you know, about the darkest, you know, nooks and crannies of the human experience. But you dress it up as a sexy crime thriller. I mean. Like it's just yeah. kind of like it's like that's it. That's enough. I'm not. I'm not a very complicated person in that regard. You know, and that I mean, I think Possessor, Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, yes. is the same same thing. Yeah, you terrific, know, that's a, a film about movie. filmmaking. Oh yeah. Um, you know the 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 character losing their identity by trying to assume, you know, trying to really portray someone else in the, the Jennifer Jason Lee is, is kind of like the the director figure in that one and um uh, and and uh I think Yomo del Toro's remake of Nightmare Alley is yes. is similar you know got what a candy colored uh you know super uh easy going down um visual feast that is you know I, I love love that kind of stuff uh, so uh, trance now that's a good double feature, Jed. Yeah. Because what one of the things that I would say is when we go through the decade project, you know, we've been talking a lot about the preliminary reception. We've been talking about Boyle talking about it. We've then talked about like how it's aged because we're looking back through and we're kind of mining and doing the thing that, you know, you do a lot and do so beautifully is like, you're always so insanely prepared and researched on different things that we talk about. But, uh, and, but I, I love that. That's what you're talking about. It's like now this kind of movie, this kind of curio where it's like playing with these kind of themes and this psychological thing and manipulation and, you know, especially unethical manipulation, they do pop up again in the form of like a nightmare alley, which is unashamedly a genre film first. And then secondly, this kind of like uh, hypnotic manipulating kind of movie where there are forces that are you know going for what the protagonist ultimately wants. And they think they're in way more control than they are. Um, and and they do pop up and like that was nearly 10 years later that nightmare alley pops up and it pops up again and 
that's a, a nominated for an Oscar. It's not quite as mm-hmm. we don't get to see some of the ladies um, in their full, completely Brazilian glory. Um, and so it maybe isn't not necessarily as considered to be as trashy and it maybe like cuts through and becomes more that, but like, that's the kind of like, that's a very noir thing of like these forces that when you're thinking that you're in total control that are all, you know, cannibalizing you and, and being like vultures, like, like picking your, picking the meat from your bones without sometimes you even knowing that it's happening. And I, I think this is, it's, it's really, um, it's really particularly special in that regard. It's funny that, you know, a, a trance nightmare alley rewatch is, uh, that's, that's, mm-hmm. you maybe convinced me to do a double feature one night when, uh, the kids yeah. go to bed early. Um, that might, that might be a good one. Well, I thought uh, Nightmare Alley, not to get too digressive here, but uh, was a really interesting choice. You know, his first, his his previous film being nominated for an Oscar, you know, that he was this horror filmmaker. You know, he, he made monster movies, you know, and then he wins an Oscar for uh, Shape of Water. And and then his next film is about a, a carny who has delusions <laughs> of, you know, whose downfall is he wants to be respected. You know, yes. he wants to get into high society. He, you know, he's, he's this, he's really successful, grubby little entertainer, but, you know, he loses his soul when he, when he goes for uh, the, the brass ring, the high society uh, stuff. Um, so I thought, oh, that's a really interesting choice to follow up uh, Shape of Water um, with, but um, I digress and you can cut that out. No, no, no. I like, this is the show. It lives for its digressions. Favorite what ifs. I love Vincent Gonzalez Frank, also a hilarious name. Frank, you know, he's pretty frank and he's pretty candid and honest. He's like the 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 uh the kind of like reorienting like person who's experiencing reality in a way that we completely understand. But in May 2011, Michael Fassbender was actually cast as Frank. So it was going mm-hmm. to be a reconnection of these two guys from another thing before he eventually dropped out. Um, and then Colin Firth, strangely enough, um, who yeah. I think is wonderful in grubby and movies too. He's um, a guy who weirdly straddles speaking of being a carny and then going into high society. He's a guy who can go all the way down to the dirt, but, um, and I kind of enjoy when he does take a digression to the dirt, but then he's so spectacular um, when he does that sort of high society thing. And then the other three main actors, um, according to this, that were considered were uh, for the Rosario Dawson role was Scarlett Johansson, Melanie Thierry, and Zoe Saldana were all considered um, eventually. Um, um, for Dawson, um, who at the time I believe was actually dating Danny Boyle, um, so um, uh, it becomes an even more interesting thing when he uses her as like the architect of all of this manipulation, um, uh, because he's got the same level of infatuation with her as Simon. So it's like he is Simon, yeah. and he is, and he is Simon, um, and he is his lamb as well. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, I think it's you know really incredible um uh that he was kind of like 
did all the principal filming, went off and did the sum, summer summer Olympics uh, opening ceremony direction and organized all that and then like went back to the drawing board with everything that had already shot and like assembled this movie and we get trance. You know, that's I I love I love a couple of those sliding doors, particularly the Fastbender one, because I love Vincent Gazelle and I would never have put those two together, but I'm like, actually Vincent Gazelle and Michael Fastbender probably have a lot in common as far as like the roles that they're the very best at they're very they're both great at playing awful people um who are really engaging but they're also like both really attractive and alluring guys and can play like suave and charm but it's, it's a dark charm um mm. so yeah I, I i liked that and you know if you like the uh those X-Men first class kind of times, uh, those guys have had a bit of an undeniable chemistry. So I, I think it might've had a nice little fun wrinkle had they been in the same movie together uh, outside of a Marvel movie, you know? That's funny. Um, if you told me uh, Fassbender was originally um, going to be cast, I would have assumed playing the McAvoy role. Yes. Um, no, I, I think he's, he's good and he could absolutely do the... Uh, the frank role but um but vincent cassell i think is a stronger choice for that role just because of his body of work just because yes. of you know not necessarily his capabilities compared to fast benders but but like i said everything in this film is inverted from your expectations and you see these three on a poster you can pick out you know the innocent and the uh the criminal uh, gangster threatening type and and they're all of course turned inside out um but i also like him cassell in the role because you know that that shot of him coming out of the pool i talked about where he just looks kind of empty hollowed out his eyes are like he's got the 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 pool water on him but it looks like it also looks like he's crying you know yes. it's just like this he's completely empty and um i I like to think that it's the same character from Ocean's 12. Who uh, <laughs> was this hotshot thief, right? And he was full of himself and it was his downfall, you know, Always he got downfall. completely shown up by uh by Danny Ocean and, and his team. And uh he's just, you know, he spent the last several years just kind of not quite hitting rock bottom, but like just getting down to um getting down to the you know a lower much lower rung and and when um you see he's just kind of this grubby criminal now um i i like to think it's the same character you know he's gone through this <laughs> sort of uh this sort of rock and and this is the uh this is the heist that kind of gets his his uh you know frank got his groove back and they're both named frank Yes. Um, <laughs> 12 is uh francois you know but uh, <laughs> but, uh this one's frank with that fucking weird spelling F -R -A I know. it's not like k could k. be strong enough they have to put right. ck together it's like they're, they're making this prunk they're making the same sound um i don't yeah. know why we need these extra letters um i want to talk to you about the music in this a little bit because it's so special rick smith who's um from the band underworld composed the music and they've been working together, you know, obviously since train spotting, Underworld has such a iconic place um in cinema history because of its use, because of the way that Danny Paul deploys it in train spotting. Um, but I do love that 
he kind of has let because it is ultimately this trinity this triangle of like people that are at the center of this thing but i just love that boyle and like john hodge and then he's got like rick smith who doing the music and it feels like a cohesive album. Like I, you know, I don't know about you, but I love listening to an album that feels like it has a story. And I don't mean necessarily like a ballads, a whole bunch of interconnecting stuff, but like something that feels like a cohesive, it's doing something, it's stretching, it's trying to tell a story. And I, I just, I love that the soundtrack, it, it's kind of not wedded to any rules. It's just like these, it's like, it's like you can feel more of like a, a pure musician that's not as you know when you were talking about jagged it's not as sharp in the visual manipulation and the character manipulation because that's boil being sharp it's this kind of amorphous thing that just flows with the tone of the movie and is it picks up its tempo in the high tempo and then in the slow stuff it's happy to just go with the pace of the visuals and there's something weird about that because it's not like it's not overpowering you in any way it's just doing this beautiful complementary thing always in tone in time in like that metronomic structure of the movie it's kind of like it changes its pace based on the pace of the editing and i really undervalued it like and i think it's really special i think that the, you know rick smith was kind of like doing some of the stuff that we now like shout the praises of people like atticus ross and trent Reznor for doing because it's like that ability to really be aligned with the editorial pace of the movie like you know one of those like chuck jones you know uh, animations in the 50s of like how he animates to the music perfectly and the mu music is perfectly fused to the pacing of that it's like it's almost that level of i don't know science of how to how to have a score that complements what you're seeing on the screen it's um yeah it i i did not realize uh you know i i in fact when i hear his score there i just think Oh, that's Danny Boyle music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, it's Danny Boyle. It's just the sound oh, I associate Boyle. with Danny Boyle films, and um, it's not a you know, it's not something that I would usually just like put on to listen to myself. But it absolutely fits. I wouldn't want anything else in its place in here. And I'll confess, just you know, like one of the things about this film that is so complex is parsing and it's not really important to do that in the end but it is a difficult thing to do sometimes is parse when you're in a trance and when something's actually physically yeah. happening yes yes and there's a you know the scene um the the big the big nude scene the big reveal is scored so heavily so you know like this this pulsing song that i don't know i don't know if it's the only place i know this song from is the film yes uh, but it's you know i can hear it in my head as i'm talking about it now it's very uh strong uh, for some reason that scene made a big impression on me it was the music it was definitely the music it was definitely the music but the song it cuts from her walking out you know and, and you see the her reflection in the floor and then it just like drips upward into the reality of her standing in front of him uh and he's so mesmerized by her uh and then the next thing that you see is him walking out of her building in the morning yes loose loosey-goosey happy confident 
and Frank is waiting for him outside in his little minivan, and he's listening to the song on the radio. Yes. And when he when he gets out of his car and he shuts the door, the sound goes, you know, the song goes away. And then when they get into his uh, his vehicle and and go back to his place, the song is still playing in the in the car. So like, yeah. And and that whole sequence that follows. Like that, that whole thing is is the trance. And I it took me I don't know how many times watching it to understand. Oh, I mean, obviously, by the time the sequence gets to the point where McAvoy's blown half of his head away and he's still talking to him, you realize this is not, this is not physical reality. Um, but, you know, trying to trace back, when did it become a trance? Well, it became a trance as soon as she hypnotized him with the, you know, her body. Uh, and, and then we cut back to, you know, that's the real heist is happening right then she's stealing yeah, <laughs> yeah she's, she's stealing. stealing the painting from him she's she's un, she's completely disarmed him and they didn't even have sex right it cuts, <laughs> it cuts back to him sitting there completely naked on the bed holding his holding his cock in his hands <laughs> and he, he suddenly wakes up you know and 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 I love that he's sitting there on the bed holding his dick, and in the trance, when you realize, okay, everything that came before is the trance, she is guiding him as he, you know, in the trance, he's talking to her on his phone, and as he believes these guys are about to kill him, and she takes him to get a gun, you know. Yes. Here's the gun. You get the gun, and he's walking the the imagery there's no other way to say it the imagery is extremely vaginal yes uh, as he is <laughs> descending down this pink hallway he's just being going into this pink hallway and just being enveloped inside it and and he's got this gun in his hand and he's smile on his face like he feels powerful and, you know he goes and he, he uh it's, it's it's beautiful but uh yeah i just love him waking up there holding his dick uh, <laughs> and it and it, and he didn't even get laid you know nope not <laughs> at the end of it didn't even get laid. the fantasy the fantasy was too overwhelming and too strong and he's still yeah. there with his dick in his head Look, I don't know if we're going to top extremely vaginal. Um, so I'm going to say thank you so much for coming back to talk to me about Danny Boyle's trance. I love talking to you about movies like this because I think you you said it earlier and I wanted to save it until we were closing out that like there is just something about the reward of if a movie, I feel like a movie is so worthwhile if it does exactly what you said, which is if it just scratches and grates. It's almost like a cupboard door that doesn't quite fit or, you know, like a tag in a shirt that itches or something. There's just something. If a movie penetrates enough that, like, it starts messing around with you and you start remembering scenes and maybe you didn't like it, that is, like, that's, you can't create it. It just happens. But when it happens, you're like, oh, shit, like, there's something there. 
I love that feeling. And I think that trance is exactly that movie. Like I jive with it immediately because I was just, again, even at that time in 2013, there's a lot of good movies in 2013, but even at that time, I was just like, oh my God, it's so nice to be in Danny Boyle's hands again in a crime thriller with all of his tools on show. And it's not maybe a story that doesn't necessarily resonate with me as much, but it's just like so unbelievable. Bang, 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 like just great. But I, I think that that's all of Danny Boyle's movies. It's been so rare. There's maybe one in his entire filmography where I was like, ugh, I don't ever want to see that again. But they always have an itch. There's always something where you're like, there's that little scratch. There's that little, that little, you know, little bit of thread catches it through a door. There's something there that like gets you. Um, and this movie for all of his tricks um, and, and, and when you see all of his tricks on show, unlike seeing the magic trick where you're like, I don't care anymore. It's like, no, actually this is, I love his magic. I, I kind of want him to keep, keep fooling me again and again. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and it's, it's just for the love of God, please make it something that's not yesterday. Cause that hurt so much, Danny. It really, <laughs> really, that was a, I, I, mixing the Beatles and Danny Boyle, two of my favorite things together and, and not not landing that hurts so um you know this this is definitely one of my favorites so thank you so much for coming and talking to me about it yeah absolutely um you know off air i'll talk to you more about uh the other vaginal uh, <laughs> imagery in the film that's very captivating thank you i'm not man. talking about that scene no no there's 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 more <laughs> I, I i know i know some of the things you're talking about all right, man. We'll take care and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. And it feels like such a 20th century movie. It feels like something David Lean would have done or tried to do uh, when he still had that kind of currency. And even then he might not have succeeded. It's incredible. Cause like, if you, if you don't have time to watch all five seasons of Lost, you can just watch Fearless. <laughs> not a week goes by that I don't think of the ending of Gallipoli. It's left a mark, a uh, year of living dangerously. Uh, you know, and then something like Last Wave, even that's so uh, deeply embedded with the land and the story of the land, the story of the place. You know, I don't know that I'd seen very many movies at that point in my life that had such a down ending and they had such a, you know, sort of strong sense of folklore uh, 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 attached to it as that. And something always so poetic and lyrical about Peter Weir's work. Gallipoli was the first movie that ever traumatized me, and I don't think I ever really recovered from it. <laughs> and I'm still upset that they played it in school. Like, I don't think it's actually possible to make an, they say it's not possible to make an anti-war movie, but I think Peter Weir pulled it off. Because yes. no one watches that movie then thinks, I want to go to war. Uh, Peter Weir is the greatest director that Australia has ever produced. Like, bar none, hands down. Like, no yeah. one else is even in the room. I think you have covered some really titanic filmmakers and some really titanic films so far, but I I truly think what makes Peter Weir special and what makes you doing this one special is we don't talk about Peter Weir that way, and we should. Peter Weir is one of those guys who I don't get why he isn't a bigger name, why he isn't more in that rarefied air, yes. because I think film for film, 
he's one of our very best filmmakers. He has brought his A-game repeatedly to <laughs> many properties. There are films of his that I hold very dear. Fearless, uh, you know, uh, The Mosquito Coast. I will fight somebody if they talk bad about The Mosquito Coast. It's, man, I love that movie. But in general, I just think he is a special filmmaker, a smart, lyrical, um, hallucinatory filmmaker. He's a very dreamy filmmaker, and I don't think he gets his due. You know, Master Commander is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, you know, easily one of the best movies of the last 20 years. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a grand scale. There's a historical backdrop to it, but at the same time, there's such an intimacy in the relationships. Uh, which I think is not just a great film and one of the last great epics in the truest sense. Um, I, I think is actually kind of a sliding doors change point moment in, in cinema history. I think 2003 when that comes along and it is a an old fashioned, you know, we don't make them like that anymore type film. I think if Master and Commander spawns a franchise at that point, the entire cinema landscape globally is completely different. That That's the movie that I wanted to see 10 of those, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know they're big fans of Fast and Furious and everything, and God bless you, but Master and Commander <laughs> should have been. It's one of those things, again, I I am not uh, I'm not a seafaring man, sir. <laughs> but there is a sense of authenticity. There's a sense of really watching a, a genuine dedication to recreating history unfold on a big screen in front of you that can't help but inspire just genuine admiration and awe. If you're going to pick a film where he really brings every one of his skills to the table, it's Master and Commander. I think you picked the right one, man. Yeah, very excited to see what you you pull, you pull out of this, Blake. That's right. Our next series is Peter Weir and Russell Crowe's Master and Commander. The series is called Podcaster and Commander. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.